0: You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. The
1: 757 is steeped in high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give local sports the spotlight it deserves every single night. It's the 757 at six on ESPN Radio 94.1.
0: 757 at 6, ESPN Radio 94.1. I'm Tim Donnelly. Robbie Vogler here on a Friday. Some the bad news. Stings. Stings is how I, I kind of been, been describing it. Uh, Brendan Clark retiring from football. Uh, due to injuries. Now, uh, I have to give give a shout-out to Mark Davis, WTKR. It's where I saw the news first. Uh, He tweets, Mark Davis does, Old Dominion spokesperson tells me that quarterback Brendan Clark has retired from football due to injuries. He starred at Lancer Football, which is a Midlothian area, uh, outside of Richmond in high school and started his college career at Notre Dame. I hate, like, and, and... I hate that we have to qualify this also. Yes, sports are not the most important thing in the world and and Brendan Clark has to make sure that that you know Years and years down the line. He he can walk without pain and all those sorts of things. And you want to be able to to you know play catch with, with your kids if he goes on to have some and, and all those kinds of things. And and there are bigger things in, in the world. But I I always have a like a like a pang of man that stinks, a sting of man that stinks. When an athlete that that showed tremendous potential was never able to see how far they could take it due to anything outside of their their control right it's similar to like when a when a high school has to shut down a program because they don't have enough kids showing up for tryouts and I'm going like gosh the, the kids that did show up through no fault of their own won't know how good they could be that season and and Brendan Clark put in a lot of time and effort he ended up being the 15th ranked pro style quarterback in the Country. He went to Notre Dame on scholarship straight out of high school. You don't end up that good without putting in a lot of work, and then battled in, in, in at Notre Dame. And uh, you know, when I saw this news, I, I wanted to go back and see when the injury started. And there was a uh, article in the the archives. It was on NBC Sports because obviously NBC and Notre Dame they've they're there peanut butter and jelly. You know what I mean? Two peas in a pod. Uh, So it goes back a couple years when he was deciding to kind of hit the transfer portal. And uh, it said he started the season as Ian Book's backup before what they're calling a cranky knee. The same knee, it says, which he tore the ACL in in high school. So we're going all the way back to high school when these injuries started. Uh, Knocked him down to emergency use and, and it goes on and on and on. Eventually, you end up transferring to Old Dominion. Um, that's really tough. When it starts in high school, like, there's – even if you just get to practice for a year in college, you know in your brain if you were going to be good enough or not. Right? He was practicing with Ian Book. He would have known – because Ian Book was, a I think, he's like the winningest co- uh, quarterback in Notre Dame history. Like I got an – a weird fight with Notre Dame Twitter. Notre Dame fans on Twitter about Ian Book a while ago. So I know way too much about them because they were sending full like statistic pages to my Twitter constantly for like 48 hours. Um, they were also photoshopping pictures of, of me and my family. Notre Dame Twitter got real weird there for a little bit. But uh, Ian Book was one of the winningest quarterbacks in, in college football history so if he would have just had like a season where he felt good and his knee was right and it wasn't cranky and he hadn't hurt it in high school maybe he'd be able to say you know I didn't get to show it to everybody but I know I had the goods i I hope he he has that kind of closure because even though it's completely out of his control and and regrets aren't a thing right because you're gonna regret that that you had to retire with an injury regrets aren't a thing it it's it's still a what if and what ifs can follow you around for a while, right? What ifs can follow you around for a long time. Say somebody that he knows he was better than, maybe camped with them as a as a you know high schooler, right? They went around to all the quarterback camps, all the quarterback guru camps, the Elite Eleven. They went to the Nike camps, they went to the Rivals camps, they went to the Adidas camps, they went to the the all of them, right? I, I don't even think they still have the Rivals camps. That might have dated me a little bit. That's that's what we were going to when I was when I was coming up. But uh, guys that he knows he's better than are in the NFL, and he's going, man, what if I didn't hurt my knee? Man, what if I didn't hurt my knee? And you start going back to that play the first time you heard it, right? What if I would have thrown it away? What if? What if? Those can stick with you. So I'm I'm from a genuine place, right? Like from a a humanistic point of view, not just saying like, oh, I'm you know we're the flagship for ODU athletics, and I wish that the number 15 pocket passer quarterback that transferred to ODU would have had the goods and could have resurrected his career for a a team that I enjoy rooting for and a team that professionally would do me very well if they were very good. Like aside from that, just from a humanistic point of view, I, I I hope it doesn't stick with him too long, right? I hope it doesn't bounce around in his head too long. Cause I've, I've, I've seen it right. The transfer portal is going to change up how this works. But when I was in college at the FCS level, if somebody from the FBS wanted to transfer and not sit out, they had to go down to the FCS level. If you went down from FBS to FCS, 1A to 1AA, um, you didn't have to sit out. But if you went 1A to 1A, FBS to FBS, you had to sit out a year. So we used to get a lot of transfers from FBS teams that were coming down, and there was kind of three different kinds, right? One was Joe Flacco which means like, oh, the the something actually was wrong at the place he was. He was at Pitt, and Dave Wanstead didn't play him. And it's like, oh, okay, the coaches made a bad decision. They moved down for an opportunity. They're great players. Another was uh, they actually weren't that good, but they thought they were, and they transferred from an FBS program down to us, and they would come in and be real bravado-filled until we practiced once, and then we'd go, oh, never mind. And then there was this other group that they, like, got hurt, this would be the Brendan Clark, right? It's they transferred in and you, you never got to see it, right? They started off in, in the training room and they might come out with a brace one day and do half a practice. And it just, it never happened for them. And it, it would like hurt your stomach to, to see them go through it, right? You'd be done with practice. You'd go in to get a lift and they would have been in there doing like stretching for hours. Cause they're trying to get the scar tissue broken up and it's, and it's just not working. And they keep doing the same test, right? With knees, it's usually the leg extension. They'd be sitting there trying to do the leg extension, right? The The trainers won't clear them for full contact until their right knee is as strong as their left knee within a couple percentages. And they'd be sitting there grunting and ah, trying to get that right knee to work. And it wouldn't. And you're just over there getting in some light shoulder work going, ah, I don't want to even want to look over there. It's heartbreaking. So Brendan Clark, again, Big picture, you hope the rest of his life is is happy, healthy, and he can find ways to be fulfilled that don't involve sports. But at the moment, and I'm sure he doesn't want to hear this, right? You you, you hate the people saying like, "Oh, I feel sorry for you." So hopefully, he's not actively listening right now. For the moment, you hurt for the kid, right? A little bit, little bit, or you hurt for the 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 man, right? I'm not not gonna call a 20 something year old person, a kid, you hurt for him, right? You, you, you want him to not have to go through it, but life's not fair. So from OD, we, I mean, we never even really got to see him. He came in a few times this season spot, couple snaps here, a couple snaps there. Never like we don't even really know what kind of a football player he was. And unfortunately there's going to be a part of him that probably thinks, I don't know what kind of a football player I was which I think is much more heartbreaking than than our end of it. Uh this is the 757 at 6 ESPN Radio 94.1. I also wonder if that means they go back in the portal for a quarterback.
2: Well, they did just get that that transfer from Fordham that came over oh, with the right, offensive
0: coordinator. Right. Who wasn't the who wasn't the starter at Fordham, he was backup at Fordham. Correct. But the offensive coordinator did bring him in. You you are right on that one. Uh I did see by the way the starter Tim uh, DeMacca something. I forget his last name. Uh but the actual starter for uh demorat demorat i think it's demorat uh for fordham this past year who was coached by odu's offensive coordinator at fordham coach decker was at fordham the previous year uh he was in the hula bowl threw a nice little 75 yard touchdown looked like he knew exactly what he was doing looked like he was well coached uh one of the 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 stars of the hula bowl so coach decker might know what he's talking about when it comes to developing quarterbacks Unfortunately, he won't get to work with Brendan Clark, uh but he will as you mentioned with the the player that followed him as well as Hayden Wolf and and uh the guys that are already in that room. 757 at 6 ESPN Radio 94.1. Speaking of ODU, ODU men's basketball played last night. Nice comfortable, no stress win over uh Georgia State, I believe. Uh and and uh I'll tell you they may have learned maybe a little bit about their identity. Coming up
1: it's the 757 at 6, talking local high school and college sports on your number one local sports station, ESPN Radio 94.1. 757
0: at 6, ESPN Radio 94.1. ODU men's basketball. They needed a get-back game. right? I think the, the first six games of their Sunbelt schedule, two and four, not what you're hoping for, right? Uh, and I'm not not being mean just two and four is two and four um and there's a few mini goals that we set for them if you if you recall going back to Wednesday we knew there was a game coming up on Thursday against Georgia State we knew that game was extremely winnable right we knew that Georgia State was not uh at least had not been this season performing to the level of some of the the previous opponents for for ODU so you would expect ODU to have more of a chance for success again not breaking news here we're just uh we're just talking spitting facts by the way did you see uh Stan Van Gundy learn that that spitting means spitting facts
2: i did see that i saw that entire exchange very very funny
0: stan van gundy uh made a point that back in the 90s right it was a very old man back in the day tweet Uh, He said, back in the 90s, we had a trainer, and that was about it, and guys didn't get hurt as often. Now we have performance coaches, nutritionists, trainers, analytics, and and guys are getting hurt all the time. And Kevin Durant said, Stan's spitting, meaning Stan is spitting facts. And Stan started defending his point, going like, no, Kevin, listen. This is what I mean. And he expanded further, and uh, KD had to let him know, Stan, I'm agreeing with you. And then all of a sudden, the whole internet was – like It was like an urban dictionary entry given to to Stan Van Gundy on uh, what, what Spitting Facts was. I digress. We're just here spitting facts, okay? One of the things ODU, I said as a mini goal, was you have to figure out who you are, right? Identity is a word that I've been using a lot talking about ODU basketball. Uh, for the first however many games, they're sitting at 11 and 8. So I'd say for the first 15 games, I was really focused on them figuring out each other as individuals right where does a player like to catch the ball Uh, I mean their communication style how do you motivate them what are they like as a teammate like all that sort of stuff because they had so many new players needed to be figured out and then a couple games ago I recognized well it's a team sport right so if you figure out who everyone is as an individual then you have to figure out what you are as a team and ODU I thought it was a little lost when it came to that by no fault of their own. Seven new players, two new assistant coaches, things take time. And the the way it was kind of personified was back-to-back games. Both, both games had five made threes. One game they attempted 27. One game they attempted 10. Made five. One they attempted 27. The other they attempted 10. And I went, well, what are you? Right? Are you a team that is is shoots their way through slumps and is going to attempt roughly 30 attempts a game from three? Or are you a team that tries to get to the bucket, tries to draw fouls? You're not a shooting team, so you're going to have to move the ball side to side to create driving lanes. Get it into the post, even though you're not a t- tremendously tall team, but still. So I wanted to see, like, what do they do from here, right? What do they do from here? D- d- is their next game... High volume threes, low volume threes. And I and, and I looked at this Georgia State game as a kind of a litmus test because I thought it was a game that you could play your style. Meaning there are, I mean, when you're playing a good team, sometimes like if they want to run, you you have to run, right? If you get behind, you might have to take a few more threes than than you hoped to in your game plan. But if you're the better team, you're controlling the tempo you know you're you're going to keep them at arm's length for most of the game which you know I think they were able to do won the first half by 8 won the second half by uh the 4 right just just if you are going to be that team and you get to pick the tempo if you get to kind of steer the ship if you will then the division of of styles should be how you want it to be 12 attempts that's much closer to the the 10 attempt than the 27 right I think go to learning. We might not be a shooting team. In modern basketball, that is a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Right? You're going to you're going to sit back and you're going to watch the the Warriors play the Celtics, right? They had a really good exciting game recently and you're going to see spacing and you're going to see launched threes and you're going to see Tatum shooting threes and you're going to see Curry shooting threes you're going to see Thompson shooting threes you're going to see smart shooting threes you're going to you're going to see Al Horford shooting threes you're going to see Draymond like and then you're going to come back in and play and you're going to go actually we're not going to shoot that many threes right and and you're going to read about uh the the Daryl Morey school of thought which is Layups and threes, and you're gonna be like, well, I love a good mid-range jumper, right? I love a good Tim Duncan off the glass from the elbow. And and whether you think that's the right way or the wrong way, I mean, you got to cook the meal with the ingredients you have, right? If you don't have shooters, don't worry about shooting. Do everything you can to get to the bucket. Be efficient, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna take twos primarily, you better make a high percentage of them. So let's look at the percentages of that, that Old Dominion shot in Georgia State, Old Dominion last night. 12 threes, they made three of them, 25%. Not great. But 46 field goals overall, they made 58.7% of those. That's very good, right? That means the, the twos you shot through the roof, you were highly efficient. And if you look at the starters, two for two on field goal attempts, seven for nine for Jenkins on field goal attempts, two of six for Steins, but he did take two threes. So two of four on twos. Tyreek Scott Grayson, really, really impressive. 10 of 16, 0 of three from three. So he was 10 of 13 on twos. That's not even to mention how they were able to get to the free throw line. Right? Jenkins seven to seven. Tyreek Scott Grayson, four of six. So there was a tremendous amount of efficiency getting to the bucket, right? Shooting mid-range jumpers, getting to the free throw line. If that's going to be what you do, you just have to do it recklessly well. Right? That your your opponents are likely, many of them, not all of them, it's college, there's there's a varying d- degree of styles, but many of them are going to play super modern, chuck it up, threes and layups, threes and D uh, offenses, and if you want to keep up with them from an efficiency standpoint, you're going to have to shoot a better percentage on the shots that you take. And you're going to have to move the ball side to side because that's how you're going to create your, your driving lanes because I'll tell you right now, if you're shooting three of 12 from three, there's not going to be a lot of hard closeouts on you when you catch it on you know, in in the the wing three position, and you, you you triple threat. You might even get a couple of these. Shoot it, and you're just going to, have to be disciplined enough to to if you're not a shooter to not shoot it. And we've all been there. And I mean, obviously they're college basketball players, so they're they're playing a much higher level than we would play at pickup. But you know the self control it takes when you catch the ball at the three point line and your defender is standing down there on the block and goes, shoot it. Yeah, you, you hesitate, right? You look to pass, and then, all right, and you jack it up, and you know that thing's clanging off the backboard as hard as you possibly can. And then you have images of the, you remember the and one T-shirts with the insults on them? Oh, yeah. And and there was the one that said, uh, like, take it easy, backboards have feelings too. They're like That's what it's saying. That's what you're saying in your head to yourself as you run away. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging what you do well and what you don't do well. Matter of fact, it's important to acknowledge what you do well and what you don't do well. And maybe you have a couple guys off the bench that are your shooters, right? And if the, the opposing team ever gets really insulting, right? And they play like a 2-3 zone packed in. Everyone's got a foot in the paint. Then, all right, let's go throw in our zone buster. That guy knocks down a couple threes, bring them out. And then, you know, you get back to your offense. But it's just as they keep developing and as the, the, the team, meaning the players, as well as the coaching staff led by Jeff Jones, as, as long as they keep learning what they are as a team and keep building that identity, then they'll know what to get mad about and what not to get mad about. If you shoot 5 of 27 from 3 and you're a shooting team, like you're, that's your bread and butter, coach should get mad at you, Right? Either your legs weren't out of you, you were fatigued, you weren't hunting for the right shots, something was up. But if you're five of 27 and you're not a shooting team, the coach should go, all right, guys, we need to we need to run different plays here. We need to get different shots. That's not who we are. So the identity. That's what we're focused on now. We we I feel like this this season for ODU men's basketball is broken up into like chapters. We had like the introduction. We had the the soft right where where coach called them out for being soft right around the new year, soft or tough section. Now we're into the team identity section, and who knows what's coming up next? Right, chat the next chapter to be continued. It's a little choose your own adventure novel. Tim Donnelly show was earlier today. The seven five seven at six is right now. You guys all know I just mess up when I do that, right? Robbie and I are doing four hours of radio, and the last hour every day changes names.
2: I mean, you've gotten very good, though, at, at just letting it roll off and just changing it right, really in stride. So
0: so every time I say the Tim Donnelly show was earlier today, I started saying Tim Donnelly show here on ESPN Radio 94.1, like I would for the first three hours. Uh, and then I, I pivot and try to try to save it. But I'm letting you all in on that. So now, you, now the saving doesn't matter. This is the, okay. Thank you very much. This is the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1. We appreciate you for starting your Friday with us, and we'll be back with more next.
1: Putting a spotlight on local high school and college coaches and athletes, it's the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1. 757
0: at 6, ESPN Radio 94.1. Probably haven't been doing this enough during the NFL playoffs. But it is time to do a bit of a little check-in with who, locally, still alive. We'll start with the the ODU products, and then we'll get to the guys that grew up in the area. Uh, Zach Pascal, wide receiver, Philly. ODU product. Uh, he's on the two deep, doesn't get a ton of, ton of targets. I mean, it's tough when you're a wide receiver on a team that has A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins and also Dallas Goddard now back at tight end and some running backs out of the backfield that can make some plays. And there's a ton of uh, ton of plays where nobody but Jalen Hurts touches the ball. So, uh, so he's there. He's an impact player. It's his first year in Philly, and they're the number one seed. So he's still kicking it. Uh, Rick Lovato is the long snapper on Philly. So hopefully, you know, normally I'm like, hopefully you hear a lot from this guy. Hopefully you don't hear anything about Rick Lovato. Because the only time you hear about the long snapper is when he sails one over the punter's head. So, here's to not talking about Rick Lovato all weekend. Uh O'Shane Ziminez, edge rusher with the Giants. Again, he's on the two deep, doesn't get a ton of playing time. Did not play in the Giants' upset win over the Vikings on Sunday.
2: But may get a little bit more since Ojalari's kind of back and forth.
0: All right. May get a... uh make it a little bit extra run stone smart was on the chargers they were eliminated ironically this is kind of funny i don't know if they're trying to pull one on us because i was looking it up and i was gathering all these guys informations uh information uh and and stone smart uh played in a a decent amount of games ended up making five or targeted five times made four catches 17 yards and a touchdown so he's he's a tight end kind of h back that type of player he's listed as their four string quarterback now he did play some quarterback at at ODU, so he has that in his bag of tricks. But they, I mean, they definitely are not using him as a quarterback with the Chargers. But that's what he's he's listed at, um, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, Norfolk State, just to get a, a player on there, they have a, on Jacksonville Deshaun Dixon, uh, second string on the two deep. We. We need some local guys to jump up to that that one line on the playoff teams, but they're a lot on the two deep. So Dixon's on the two deep. Will Linebacker, uh, he was inactive for their win over the Chargers, however. Uh, and looking elsewhere, right, looking at the, the players that grew up in the area. So if you don't have a team left, your team's eliminated, you're just looking to root for the local guys, um, there's a couple of them. Should we go developmental guys as well, like practice squad guys? Why not? All right. I looked it up, so why not? Uh, and a lot of this did come from – there's an article on the Virginia Pilot about it. Uh, so you can check it out there if, if you want to as well. Uh, Cole Christensen, he is a, on the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, he's on the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad. Uh, he went to Nansman Suffolk Academy. Um, so there you go. He's still playing, still kicking it. Uh, Daz Newsom, Hampton high guy. Many of you know him from his time at North Carolina where him and, and Sam Howell and Yami Brown, they had a really dynamic offense. Uh, he's on the developmental squad for San Fran. So he's still alive. Uh, Derek Nottie, d tackle, Kansas City, went to Ocean Lakes, then Florida State. We got one. He's a legitimate super con- uh, contributor. He's a big part of that defense. Uh, Chris Jones gets a lot of the highlights, gets a lot of the, the love on that defensive front. Uh, but but Derek Nottie is, I mean, he's a Super Bowl champion once already, and he's, he's looking to get another with his teammates this year. Josh Sweat, we've talked a lot about tracking him. Uh, there's a cool article on The Athletic about him. Didn't know this, right? I, I pay attention to Josh Sweat about as much as probably anyone in the media does because of his connection to our area. Builds computers from scratch. Again, The Athletic has like one of those features where you get to know him as people. Uh, they, they, they're pretty obsessed with the fact that he has like frying pans for hands. He has gigantic hands, but he can still like, you know, work on little circuit boards and stuff. And he builds computers from scratch. That's how he kind of... Uh, Unwinds, if you will. Uh Tyrod Taylor also on the Giants. He's, I mean, you all know Tyrod, Hampton, Virginia Tech. Uh, he's backup quarterback for the Giants. There you have it. Okay. So, so, you know, the way we talk about this, the way we talk about tracking the local guys is it's always best for the next if the previous balls out, right? It's always best for the next if the previous has a ton of success. Everything about football, everything about sports really is a copycat situation. So if a player from this area has a ton of success in the playoffs, where do you think recruiters are going to look next? They're going to go, "Oh, where do well, what high school did he go to?" And they're going to send more and more and more here. Same is true for the guys we talked about with the 757 colleges, right? If if Zach Pascal is is a great team guy or makes a big play in the playoffs, right, has his moment, they're going to go, "Oh, do you look at that." You can- we should we should send a scout there for their pro day. So it's it's you know it's why when when someone has an opportunity given to them, they often say, "I'm standing on the shoulders of those that came before me." It's because those that came before him and had success were able to illuminate that that is a path that you should you should. Sh- Search for, search down if you are looking for, for more success coming your way. So all of those guys I just read, and I'm sure there's some that I missed. I'm sure there's, you know, he grew up there and then in middle school he moved to Kansas. And I'm like, ah, of course I missed it. Um, but they're all, they're all, you know, putting on for their generation and the next of athletes from the 757 and on the 757 at six. We support those kinds of things. So everyone, except for Rick Lovato, the long snapper, I hope we're hearing your name a whole bunch this weekend in the playoffs. Uh, Robbie, thanks for keeping us up and running. He, meaning Robbie, is going to round out the show and round out the week with Robbie's Roundout coming up next. I'm going to take off and enjoy my weekend. You should do the same. We'll see you on Monday.
1: The clock is running out on the 757 at 6. That means it's time for Robbie's Roundup. Oh, wait a minute. It's Robbie's round about or Robbie's Roundout. Whatever he's calling it today. Here's Robbie Vogler on ESPN Radio 94.1. That's right. This
2: is the 7, seven at 6 and Robbie's Roundout. I figured, you know, we have two intros for Robbie's Roundout. We have a serious open, and we have a funny liner. And And sometimes I like to throw the funny one in there just to kind of get a laugh. You know what I mean? Everyone, everyone's been there. Everyone's been to a party where they try to throw in kind of uh, something to change things up a little bit, and that's what I like to do. I like to do this, especially on Fridays, where you never know what you're going to get. It's a Friday in the seven five seven. It's six fifty currently. It is. It's pitch black outside. I mean, I'm looking out the window right now, right outside the studio, and it is dark. And. I think about a lot of a lot of things going into the weekend. Obviously, there's a lot going on. There, there's there's the playoffs. There's the NFL. There's there's soccer. There's golf. There, there's so many events going on. And you talk about kind of events that that go on. And and I was looking and and trying to do some research on what what could I talk about on a Friday to, to keep it light, to keep it kind of fun and exciting, and and to look forward to something that wasn't. NFL football related during the weekend. And I I, I found something on the 757teams.com which if you, if you haven't subscribed to the Virginia Pilot, what the heck are you waiting for? They got some great people over there. Larry Rubama has been there since I was in high school. And I mean, I'm going about to age myself, but I remember I won the, just to kind of plug my own self a little bit, I, I was able to I won the regional title during the track and field championships, the Eastern region. I went to Great Bridge, won the discus. And Larry was the one that wrote the article about about me going to Liberty. And so he's been doing this forever. And he wrote an article about a, a track and field athlete that is from here in the 757, actually from Green Run, who is one of the top athletes in the world. He's a world champion. He was one of the best track and field athletes of the, the 757 of all time. He was a six-time individual state champion from Green Run, Andre Kassan. And it is crazy to me to see what he is doing because it's so inspirational. Andre is 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 this weekend he actually is hosting a, a track event. He is hosting the Elastic, the Elite Scholastic Meet at the Virginia Beach Sportsplex, really just right up the the road. It begins at 2 p.m. on Sunday, and it's exciting because not only is it a a big-time track meet hosted by a former world champion, a six-time state champion, one of the best sprinters in the world back in the 90s. But also, it's it's very exciting because I think this could be the new standard for for things moving forward, not just for track and field, but for other events, for other you know camps and, and other different events. But prior to the meet, there they will also be hosting a college job fair and expo. There's going to be over you know around thirty colleges going to be represented. They're going to have financial aid workshops, tech-based mentoring programs. And that's such a cool thing that I, I never even thought of before. I love when athletes that have been successful in their life give back. Not only, you know, you hear stories all the time about athletes doing something for a charity or something for the, the area they grew up in or they you know donated some money because they have the money and, and they were able to do this this goes beyond that not, not saying that those other athletes are doing bad things because obviously they are doing great things Any anytime that you can add a charitable event to any event any a charitable a charitable aspect to things is pretty cool but when you can give back to a community that, was so integral into your success as an athlete. And you can come back to the seven, five, seven and say, Hey, I want to give back to the athletes that I used to be back in high school. And that's exactly what he is doing on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure it's going to be a great big track meet. And you know, so many times sports can kind of overshadow the educational part of things. When at the end of the day, education, especially in high school, especially when you're thinking about the next level of college athletics, and especially in a sport like track and field where unless you are the top of the top, there may not be a big career path for you moving forward after college. So, you, so after high school, you, you go to college, you get an education, you compete in track and field. Unless you are the, the top 1% in the country, most likely you're not going to, to pursue any other thing past that other than maybe recreational things. So him being able to, to go out and to put on this track meet for athletes in high school, and for there to be a job fair beforehand so athletes can meet different colleges and kind of figure out what they can do to to further their education is so it's so valuable it's such an important thing because of what we just mentioned because it is so important to to value that education i understand if you play football, basketball, and you want to be the, the top of the top. Unless you are the top of the top, most likely you are not going to get to the top of the top. The percentages get smaller and smaller, and especially in in a sport like track and field, you have to be one of the best in the world to even get anything out of it. But it's exciting to me to see what he is doing for the seven five seven, for the athletes here in the area, for for a community that that he loves and that he wants to to give back. Because I, I kind of wish I would have had this growing up, because I had some ideas of where I wanted to go to school. I had some ideas of where I wanted to to kind of further my education, but I, that was all on me. I had to go out. I had to recruit myself. I had to tell, you know, send the email, send the letter, send the the tape and all that stuff, because I did not have anybody in my corner that was going to do that for me. If I wanted to go to school as an athlete, I had to do all that by myself. And it's very cool to see somebody that's been successful at such a high level in athletics, give back to the community. And it, that's going to be on Sunday at 2 PM. If you are in the area, you know, Stop by if you want a little break in between or before football on Saturday or on Sunday rather, it's the elite the elite scholastic meet at the Virginia Beach Sports Center. The meet begins at 2 p.m. But before the meet, there's gonna be a college fair and expo beginning at 10 a.m. That's at the Virginia Beach Sports Plex the sports center and that that facility is unbelievable so if you've never been out there that it's worth the trip just going out there to see what you can do and and to see what what opportunities lay lie in store for not only you but maybe for for your son or daughter and and it's exciting things coming up that's gonna wrap things up for the 757 at 6 don't forget pitbull tobacco more text line is always open 757 687 Tim mentioned it yesterday at the end of the Tim Donnelly Show. We've got some big, big things in the works for this station, for the Tim Donnelly Show, for the 757 at 6. A lot of great things in store. They're going to be coming up very shortly, so you will want to stay tuned right here to ESPN Radio 94.1 for all the announcements, everything that we have in store for you. I promise it is going to be good, good, good. And we can't wait to tell you that when we're able to. For Tim Donnelly, I'm Robbie Vogler saying so long. Have a great weekend. Enjoy your NFL playoff football. We'll talk to you on Monday. Later.